Oh, hello. Uh, well, here we are. It's uh, the day after the election, and as predicted, nobody knows who, pres who the president is. Uh, I am going to, uh, as of now, this is what, November 4th, I am going to make the uh, bold prediction uh, that we will not know who the president will be until January 1st at the earliest. I, I think that is going to be the real timeline uh, for determining this. And uh, I think my predictions have come out pretty well uh, this year. Uh, back in April, March maybe, I declared, uh, again somewhat boldly, that the pandemic and shutdowns and lockdowns and what have you would extend until the election. And I'm right. So I have actually had several uh, friends, not so much real friends, but Facebook friends, uh, which is to say, you know, someone I had a class with one time five years ago, uh, more or less disowned me, called me all kinds of names, accused me of being, you know, a, a, an alt-right troll or, or something, um, you know, all these kind of weird uh, ad hominems that kind of get hurled at people for questioning uh, the official narratives of our uh, our wonderful elected officials. Um, and uh, I was right. So... Uh, I want to say suck on it, uh, but, you know, that self-congratulatory uh, feeling only really lasts for a few minutes, and then you realize that it was fairly predictable, and uh, we all have to live through this anyway, and the people that were calling me names and accusing me of various nefarious motives, of, of course, were not really my friends anyways. Um, they were just people I knew at some point. And I'll probably never see them again. They're all gone. Might as well be dead. Um, so, uh, let's bring it down a little bit. I feel like I got a bit dark there for a minute. Uh, what I wanted to talk about, you know, this podcast, if it is a podcast is dedicated to philosophy. Um, the stated purpose is to, in my description, uh, reassemble uh, the philosophical origins of Western civilization, uh, and particularly the moral, ethical uh, foundation, aesthetic foundation for life that Christianity sort of absorbed and was passed down to me in a very veiled and I would say corrupted form through the Catholic Church. And all this is to say that we're going to talk about philosophy a bit because that's the point of the podcast. I also apologize for my sniffling and snuffling and what have you. Uh, allergies are just hitting me really hard right now. Uh, 
there's just a tremendous amount of pollen or something in the air. Um, I, I don't think it's the Rona. I, I don't feel sick. I just feel like constantly, constantly trying to clear my sinuses. So I don't think there's any way for me to stop doing that. So just deal with it. So philosophy. Um, so here we are. It, it looks as though, you know, the country is going to be in a weird state to say that we've already been in a weird state for quite a while, but more than likely uh, an even weirder state in which the future president, the leader of the country, will be unknown or contested or disputed in some way, very likely for the next four years. Um, it, certainly we won't know the results of the election for some time. There's going to be recounts and lawyers involved and hearings and, you know, of course it's going to be all dragged out in, in detail uh, on all of the news networks and all of the idiots on Twitter will debate it back and forth and call each other names. And um, because we're trying to be moral creatures and follow uh, developing our virtues and, and keeping our virtues when the whole world is on fire and going crazy, um, I, I'm going to ask a controversial question, which uh, I think will relate directly to the timeliness of this podcast and also its purpose. And that question is as follows. What has the world gained from Donald Trump? What has the world gained from Donald Trump? And I, I will say this. If I were to run for office and I, I know... I know, more or less, how I could win. Donald Trump won, and almost, either almost won or won again, uh, by telling the truth, by speaking truth. He 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 does not. Uh, he does not veil his words. He does not try to disguise his disdain for the establishment, for powerful figures in uh, our society, Hollywood, uh, politicians, uh, well-regarded established politicians, even in his own party, he skewers them all and he takes all the heat for it. He stands up in front of a crowd of jeering reporters who are all there just to get him to say something stupid so they can soundbite it and blast it out to all of their mobs of loyal listeners who will, of course, believe uh, the most... Uh, the most uncharitable interpretation of whatever he says. And he does not shirk away from this at all. 
he stands up in front of them and just says the truth. He says, you're a liar. This network is bullshit. All of this is bullshit. It, it really reminds you of the, the movie Network, um, in which the, the anchor accidentally discovers the key to becoming a successful media personality uh, by decrying the media itself. Becoming a powerful figure in media can be achieved simply through attacking media. And this is because we, we live in a time where the, the truth is so hard to come by. It, it's so hard to get at what is really going on. There's so much manipulation and hidden agendas um, and, and dishonest reporting of things and and in our political discourse, of course, you know, people don't even try to understand for the most part the, where the other side is coming from or why they might object to uh, certain things considered dogmatic. Um, and one way to appear to be credible, at least, is to, I, I would say, ad- adhere to the principle of parhesia, uh, which I discussed in a, a earlier podcast. And this is a stoic principle of truth speaking, which is, of course, exemplified in Socrates. Uh, Socrates made it his, his life's mission to demonstrate that the people in his society who were the experts, who had the best arguments, who were the most well-regarded authorities, um, had the most respect, were, were the most respected members of society, people in power, people with uh, influence. He made it his mission to demonstrate that these people knew absolutely nothing, that their power and authority was a complete illusion, in fact, because it was trivial for him to prove through simple discourse um, and just a dialogue with these people demonstrate that no one really knew anything. And that is, in fact, Socrates' motto, essentially, is all I know is that I don't know anything. And neither do you. That would be the the corollary. The story is that he went to the Oracle of Delphi, and the Oracle uh, told him, there is no one in this world more wise than Socrates. And, and Socrates took this to task. He took this seriously and, and went forth and said, I'm, I need to find someone who, who has wisdom. I need to find someone who really knows something. Um, and he began analyzing uh, the authorities, uh, the experts, so to speak. 
Um, and, and what he determined was that uh, because he, Socrates, knew nothing, the, the oracle was speaking the truth. No one else knew anything more than Socrates. And therefore, Socrates, in fact, was the most wise man in the world. Because, not because Socrates knew everything or knew even a lot of things. All he knew was one thing, which was that he didn't know anything. His, his one piece of knowledge, his one piece of wisdom was awareness of his own ignorance. And this allows him to go and tear down the authorities in his society. The, the corrupt sophists who use rhetorical tricks and appeals to authority and illogical arguments and threats of violence, because of course they're in power, so they could have him executed if he were to speak ill. It's not, it's not very hard to apply this to our society. Uh, the, the people regarded as the most, the most correct are, are not those who make the most appealing arguments. Uh, it's, it's not those who, who consider all possibilities or, or those who are humble in their understanding of the world or, or, or slow to judge or careful in any way. They're those who are angry and loud and inflexible in their beliefs, who really don't understand anything. Uh, and <clears throat> I contend that Donald Trump, for all of his faults, he did something incredible, which is to bring Parhesia back into the world. It, it's an incredible thing, and I, I don't imagine that the alternative media, as we might think of it now, would really exist, um, at least not in its, its current form, without Donald Trump. Uh, I think he, in some way, has, has really shown the way for, for many of us. Now, th- this is not to say that Donald Trump is a great guy or even a great president. You know, I think he's not a very good leader, actually. Um, he, you know, a, a great leader manages to take people who vehemently disagree with one another and, and find some <clears throat> means of getting them to work together. Um, and, and he couldn't do that. And he's, he's certainly not the right person to be in charge of managing a giant viral pandemic with, uh, unknown origins, unknown consequences to world history. And, and if you were to line up 
all of the past presidents and pick someone to deal with that problem. I, I don't think that most of us would pick Donald Trump. Uh, I, I don't think so. He's not very well suited to the environment. Um, but he is well suited in one way, which is that we, we are seeing increasingly with the convergence of media and big tech and uh, the state sort of merging with big tech and media in, in the sense that we, we know that the intelligence community is using platforms like Google and using the tracing, uh, tracking capabilities of, of Google and various ad, uh, ad tech or uh, data collection platforms to spy on citizens. And we can, we can all probably agree we can see the police state coming. Certainly the surveillance state. Um, and and uh, in, in that environment, uh, it's very hard to speak the truth. You need someone who really is a giant asshole and, and someone who is uh, already very savvy in dealing with reporters, dealing with the media, and and living in the in the public imagination, and Trump had the experience from not only his life uh, as a real estate developer, but also you know, it's sort of hard to remember now. But he was a reality star. And that was really probably how most people my age uh, would have thought of him prior to the 2016 election uh, and the nonsense that followed. Uh, If that had never happened, if he had never run or he had never gotten the nomination, I imagine we would all just think of Donald Trump as like the guy from The Apprentice. Um, And we might think of him as sort of a sleazebag or sort of a weird guy, um, a boomer, but, you know, he probably wouldn't, wouldn't be all that controversial otherwise. But that is all to say that Trump could have just sat on his ass and collected royalty checks on The Apprentice and money from his casinos and hotels and what have you. And, you know, just eat the best food in the world every day and lounge around, go on vacations with your family, play golf. He could have done this for, for four years. Uh, he could have completely stayed out of politics. Um, but he chose to go into politics and I have to think that a large part of it is parhesia. Like, he just wanted to tear down these, these uh, phony sophists um, and, and take a jab at the, the surveillance state. So, you know, we're hurtling toward chaos, uh, 
I don't know, you know, and I'm not saying this lightly, you know, I, I think because I live more or less at the epicenter of, of at least in my region, if something goes down, uh, they're going to be right outside my door, you know. So uh, I'm not saying this happily to uh, tempt fate or anything, but it, it's possible there could be a lot of violence. Uh, there could be people just dying in the streets pretty soon. It's entirely possible. Uh, it's also possible it won't be. Uh, but I think whatever happens, I I feel that Trump's legacy will stand that he created the conditions for whatever comes after this. Um, now, if, if you are... If you are a mainstream liberal Democrat, if you're the kind of person who has one of those signs that says, believe science, which is not at all a scientific concept, you know, one of these signs says like, we believe in science and we believe black lives matter. And, you know, just sort of all the dogma, all, all the dogmatic points on a bullet points that you just stick in your yard to sort of announce to people like, hey, I'm normal. <laughs> That's how I, I read those signs. It's just sort of like a, a statement of conformity. Um, if you are one of these, these kind of people, um, you know, you, you might think that Trump being defeated is like, oh, finally, we can breathe a sigh of relief that, you know... Uh, all the all, all of our efforts to remove this terrible president and and uh, you know his Russian cronies aren't going to have influence anymore and uh, all of those uh, terrible you know voters who were fooled by him uh, the first time they 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 came around to Biden and they saw the light after four years of Donald Trump and and now. The country can be unified and uh, we'll go back to the Obama years of, you know, uh, quantitative easing and pretending like the economy is growing. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I think you'd be very wrong <laughs> if, you, if you have that sense of relief. Because looking at the polling numbers... In the results coming out of uh, of the the tallies of votes, Trump did really well. <laughs> he did way better than than would have been suggested by the media. Now, there's nothing surprising about the fact that the media were completely wrong. Um, they're either fooling themselves with their data science platforms, which are based on you know, very shoddy polling data that run by surveys that, you know, instituted by, uh, by them, which uh, is, is not going to give you the most reliable results. Although the Rasmussen uh, polls were a little, a little bit better. They're a little closer to reality. Um, no, it's not, it's not that. It's that uh, Trump is... Uh, you know, they are, he, he is not going to disappear after this. Um, 
the the polling numbers indicate that that largely Americans still like Donald Trump. They still are going along with him. Now, you know, Trump has been basically at war with uh, the establishment and the media and and the the I guess I hate saying the term out loud because it makes me sound like a nut job, but the deep state, you know, the federal employees, like the public sector people who who are resisting him as hard as they can, he's been dealing with them for, for you know, four years. And we've gone through, you know, Russiagate, the impeachment stuff, uh, the, the pandemic, which somehow is Trump's fault. Uh, you know, just so, so much. The Mueller, Mueller report, the, you know, the Steele dossier, all, all of this crap. Uh, that that has just been going on for years and years, and still, seventy million people, half of the voting population, half of the people who voted, still said, "I back Donald Trump." Well, like, what does that mean? You know, if 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 you have every authority in the country telling you through the media and social media constantly for years that this guy is dangerous, he's bad. You have to vote against him. You have to get rid of him. And then you show up on election day and say, no, I'm not getting rid of him. What does that mean? I, I think it means that Trump is speaking some kind of truth that, that people have not been able to hear out loud over the last, I don't know, 10, 20 years. And one of those things is opposition to economic globalization. Uh, I'm not going to get into that because it's a derailment from my topic. But this is speaking truth. It's speaking truth to power. Um, and so, so what I said was, what has Donald Trump given to the world? What has been his legacy? And I think it is this, if I were to run for office, let's say as the mayor, I can reasonably bet that there are a lot of people in my town in my city who just want someone who will tear down the establishment, who will get up there and speak the truth loudly and be strong and stand even when the, the, the Stasi come for me even when they start digging up anything they can find to slander me, to insult me, uh, insult my character, find some off-color tweet that I made 20 years ago, <laughs> or whatever, uh, 
find someone somewhere in my life who will say that I made some kind of inappropriate pass at them when I was 20 years old or something. Uh, I, I can reasonably guess that I would get a lot of traction in that election. Uh, now, I might not win, but I, I don't think... Now, here's the thing. I don't think that to make that happen, I would even have to know much about governing. Uh, you would think that if you were in a, a mayoral election, that having the skills of a mayor to govern a city uh, would in some way be a, a prerequisite to running for office. Uh, but I think that Trump has kind of proven uh, that you don't need to do, do, do that. You don't need to know anything about governing to win in this kind of an environment where uh, there, there is a lack of entropy, I guess. Uh, well, let's not say there's a lack of entropy. It's, it's that uh, there's, a, there's an establishment that is trying to really uh, control the narrative, right? Uh, there's that sniffling again. And Trump excelled and excels uh, at exploiting that. It's really a weakness, the fact that it is impossible to criticize the state or impossible to criticize decisions that the government has made, the way that it's been run, um, particularly, you know, these unelected positions like the federal agencies and all the regulations that come along with that, all of these just bureaucrats that are there to suck away at the teat of, of the people. Um, I have a feeling if you were the right kind of person, you could probably pull off a Trump type of victory uh, in almost any kind of environment like this. Uh, now, there's probably not that many people who are quite like Donald Trump. I think he does have the right kind of personality he's he's almost a bulletproof kind of man i mean there you know even from the from the get go with the access hollywood tape uh the the democrats original error in 2016 was assuming that the access hollywood tape was a torpedo that was just going to totally sink donald donald trump and there was no reason to follow up on that just Send out the excess Hollywood tape, and boom, he's gone. People will not vote for him. Boy, they were wrong on that one. Uh, and it's just been one thing after another with with respect to uh, trying to attack his character. Um, he He's almost invincible to attacks on his character, specifically because he doesn't pretend that he's... Uh, a morally superior guy. Um, he isn't a Bible thumper. Uh, he, you know, he probably doesn't go to church. I don't, he doesn't strike me as a particularly religious guy or someone who has a lot of um, 
moral inclinations, um, he's a businessman. He's practical. He's a negotiator. Uh, he's a, a little bit of a hustler. And, uh, and that makes him somewhat immune to these types of attacks because I think the Democrats were, were so used to attacking uh, somebody like George W. Bush who, you know, part of his pitch is, I am, uh, I am a good Christian. You know, I'm a, I'm a moral guy. I'm a good family man. Uh, and, and this was more of a thing in politics, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Trump has kind of changed that. Uh, but, you know, you can remember like John Edwards. He was, again, he was like a Bible thumper kind of guy family values and all that, and then it turns out, you know, he was an adulterer. And and that just torpedoed his entire political life. His his whole career was gone because of that. You know, Anthony Weiner, for example, another one. You know, you do something morally uh, atrocious and when you are uh, purporting to be the moral candidate who is standing up for Christian values or something, uh, you're gone because you've just revealed yourself to be a hypocrite. Uh, and the base that you spent all that money and time courting uh, now hates you. Uh, but Trump never courted that side of the base. Uh, and I would imagine that, that many of those people didn't vote for him. Um, you know, that's more of the the never-Trumper side of things. Um, so, this is a very interesting time because I, I, have, I have this feeling that um, this, this is going to probably go to Biden, uh, but uh, I think that the Democrats have sort of won the battle but lost the war. Uh, because Donald Trump has introduced this guerrilla tactic into politics, and, and I don't think there's any way to put the genie back in the bottle. Uh, if it's not Trump now, uh, you know, it will be somebody else uh, in the future. You know, maybe Kanye. <laughs> I don't think it's that crazy to think that Kanye might actually uh, get some traction at some point. Now, I think he's he needs to be on a a real party ticket. Um, but, uh, somebody like that, somebody like him, uh, could, I think, make a real run of it. Well, I don't want to bloviate too much or, or keep going on, but, you know, these are strange times. And, uh, I think that, um, Again, the, the goal that I'm setting for myself uh, with regard to philosophy and um, which I guess is attached to the mission of this podcast project in one way or another, you know, is to keep my virtue and develop my virtue uh, no matter what's going on around me. And 
I think that we have to kind of ignore this stuff, to be honest. Um, really, does it matter who the president is? Uh, you know, some of the problems that Trump has exposed or problems that, at least as I would see it, like the deep state uh, existing, uh, a, a large bureaucracy of unelected uh, administrators who have a tremendous amount of power over the lives of Americans, but no accountability. Um, those people aren't going away, depending on who the president is. Uh, but also, the resistance isn't going away. Uh, Trump and his uh, guerrilla tactics are going to be around, I think. Uh, in the future. Um, I don't know that Trump himself will continue to run if he's defeated. Um, so one way or another, Trump himself will be gone, um, either, you know, after this election or in four years. Uh, and I don't think it really matters when, but one way or another, his impact has changed politics change the country, certainly. Um, and uh, who's to say whether it's a, a good thing or a bad thing? Um, but one way or another, uh, it isn't really going to change the world. Uh, it isn't going to be um, a big impact on my life. Uh, my life, by and large is the things that I choose to do and the habits that I choose to practice. And uh, it doesn't matter who the politicians are uh, for that aspect of my life. Now, perhaps I would make some decision about where I live based on what politicians do. You know, if the taxes were to go up 400% or something in the city where I live, I might decide to move. I might move somewhere else. Uh, if my uh, neighborhood were to become dangerous because uh, the police were disbanded and crime was on the rise, you know, I, I may have to move. Um, but does that really impact my life, who, who I am as a person? Does that impact my character? No, not at all. Not at all. The important thing is my habits, my speech, my actions, my choices. Um, and I am going to have a choice on how to live my life one way or another. Uh, this stuff is all really just a bunch of bullshit, uh, background radiation noise, you know, like the weather. Um, there's no point in getting upset because there's a storm coming through. You, know, you just have to get out of the way of the storm. Don't let yourself get washed away. But also, don't pretend that you can control the storm, and certainly don't confuse yourself with the storm.
that's all I got. So I'm going to sign off now.